Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. It's your boy Friday. What's going on, guys? So we start this show with what happened on Friday, uh, the news that broke about uh, an intruder uh, breaking into Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco and attacking her husband. And there's going to be a lot to say about this, a lot of debriefing, a lot of a lot of ways to look at it. But um, I think what I'll start before I throw it to you is what really is something that just really needs to be said is I fear, fortunate, fortunately, the man, fortunately, Paul Pelosi survived. He'll be okay. But I think that because he's okay, the severity of the attack, the attack, the offensiveness of the attack, and what the attack spells for our climate in this country is probably not really truly being addressed. You know, a man broke into the Speaker of the House's home and attacked her husband, hit him over the head with with with, with an with a hammer in the presence of the police. And there's other news today that is getting sharing stage, which I don't think is as significant. But it it is to me it's a big deal and I think it needs more coverage. And I think that there's lots of implications. So what what was your reaction upon learning the news this morning of Paul Pelosi being um injured in that attack yeah certainly thoughts and everything go to paul pelosi i don't want to discredit or invalidate his uh, suffering in the moment but i will say i think the big story missing here is this was and you don't have to stand by what i'm about to say but this was an essentially a assassination attempt on nancy pelosi right he went there clearly looking for her um and they're in, they're not in the district right now. So I don't actually know where she was. Uh, maybe you could follow up on that after, but I don't actually know where she was. He expected her to be home. So I don't know how long he's been planning this. Um, I don't buy any of the, the narrative that he's a lunatic or he's crazy or anything. He doesn't know what he's doing. Clearly has been um, radicalized by the Republican Party, by Donald Trump, by a lot of conspiracy theories that Donald Trump, that Marjorie Taylor Greene, that all these people push. But this was an attempt on Nancy Pelosi's life. We should look at it like that. Uh, not only that, but this is the second attempt that Nancy Pelosi's life in the last two years, right? The January 6th insurrection was another one, right? They were clearly targeting her amongst other politicians, right? Uh, I think that's the story here. And I wonder if, and I'll let you talk about it because I know you're uh, interested in the Kavanaugh angle here, but um, my worry is that because she wasn't home and because it was her husband that, it doesn't get looked at as the assassination attempt that it was. If she was home, God knows what would have happened, right? And so I just worry that the big story here is, is this is an assassination attempt against the third most powerful politician in this country. And I don't think people are really looking at it that way. Yeah, well, you, you kind of reinforced my point before. I think, and this, this goes with everything, whether it's school shootings, where there's a low body count or no one dies, it's... I think that we are such a sensationalized country that shouldn't the act, regardless of the actual impact, shouldn't that be the thing that just gets us, you know, if a person pulls a gun and a trigger in school and shoots at 10 people and only one person gets hit and no one dies, it's to me, it should be treated no differently than if 10 people died because it's the violation itself. It's the violation that the crime itself regardless of the whether or not the victim survives or doesn't survive 
or whether or not there's a number of folks, what you had was an attempted murder. I mean, we use assassination, that's another word, but it was attempted murder. It was attempted murder. The, the intended target was the Speaker of the House. Again, even if Paul doesn't get harmed, and, and I'll show you, and this is what pisses me off about the press and Republicans, the dude who was going to Paul Kavanaugh's house, or, or whatever his name, uh, Brett Kavanaugh's house, to kill him, if you read his story and everything else, the guy had no chance of having any level of success in that effort, right? And in addition to that, because Kavanaugh, as is all members of the Supreme Court, is a is a sitting Supreme Court member, he has U.S. Marshal Service. That guy turned himself in. And you see how everybody, the Republicans and the press, they just, they, they felt like, this is the greatest violation ever. If you ask me, it, where the system worked there, right? Guy, that's why you have a U.S. Marshal. The guy went to go kill Brett Kavanaugh. He basically was stopped by the U.S. Marshals or even saw the U.S. Marshals and said, I ain't got a chance. I'm going to turn myself in. But it was treated, the fact that the guy was not successful was not really factored in. They were like, this is horrible. I don't necessarily feel that same energy, at least from the same people who were making it a big deal in the Kavanaugh situation. Would you agree or not agree in, in, in that? And maybe we're biased because when it happens to our side, it looks different than when it happens to the other side. But if we're if we're being truly objective, do we think that they've been treated with the same severity? What, what are your thoughts? So I'll, I'll speak on, I'll answer your question. And I'll talk about the biasness that you mentioned as well. First, it's not, it's not treated with the same severity because one, um, the only person I really saw talk about it was Mitch McConnell on the Republican side. Uh, Mitch McConnell tweeted out uh, his outrage, which is fine, right? Kudos to him. But no, Trump is silent, Pence, Cruz, Graham, right? All these people are silent, McCarthy, and yet they were making a big deal out of Kavanaugh. So in, in a big way, oh, McCarthy did. McCarthy did. McCarthy did did put out a tweet. All right, so I missed that part. So my mistake. Um, but for the most part, they're they're pretty much um, silent on this, right? To speak on the bias part. So here's the thing: there's 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 technically violence on both sides. What I mean by that is the Bernie Sanders supporter, the baseball game. Like there's been instances, no doubt about it. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that we're just the most peaceful peaceful people in the world, but the difference is here, John. This is the difference to me. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't actually know the motive, but do you know the quickly ask you? Do you know the motive behind the Brett Kavanaugh thing? It, well, it was right after um, the the leaked opinion. It was it wasn't even before the final after the final opinion. It was it was after the leaked opinion. Uh, it was it was the earlier earlier leak that and and I mean the guy cited that as part of the reason he was going there. All right. So that, that that's what I'm trying to say here. That guy wanted to uh, harm Brett Kavanaugh for, all right, let me say this before I say this. There's no, there's nothing that can happen that justifies any sort of violence. So I want to be clear on that part. But what starts me as missing in the conversation is Brett Kavanaugh is actively trying to take rights away from people. The Republican Party are actively trying to take rights away from people, actively trying to get black people, Latino people not to vote, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the political violence that they're facing is because of actions they're, they're doing. It doesn't justify it. It doesn't excuse it. But it's based on their own actions. The difference here is Trump and the Republican Party have a, a, 
a propaganda machine that's been against Pelosi for the last six years. And the rhetoric has been built up. It's not actually anything that Pelosi is doing as much as it's a convert, a concerted effort of the Republican party to push people towards Pelosi to Schumer to uh, AOC, right? And we saw that in January 6th, they were looking for Pelosi and they were looking for AOC. So that to me is an organized group effort to get people to, to hate on these specific people. So the difference to me is Brett Kavanaugh faced something that was um, specific to him. It had nothing to do with Democrats or Biden, right? And in this case, this person is clearly radicalized by Trump and the Republican Party, and in some way he feels justified in his violence by them. And the fact that they're silent makes them complicit to me. So that's what I mean. That's so that's where my bias is. And I can see both sides, but there's clearly a difference to me. Well, and I think the other thing too, to your point, is let's be honest, um, the pro choice movement more you know, you don't see Democrats in their commercials. Exception with the exception of Joe Manchin, with rifles talking about you see this, you see there's not a lot of violent imagery in democratic politics. Now, granted, you could talk about some of the protests that have gotten their hands, the riot, the turning the riots, and some of the looting, but you really don't see elected Democrats, even the far left, ever really truly espousing violence. And whenever violence does arise on the left it is roundly condemned. We're like, hey, that's not cool. So, to you know, taking your point and going a little bit further with it, um, even if that person was angered, the guy that went after Kavanaugh was angered by Kavanaugh, you know, having a ruling that was disfavorable to the left, there's not a lot of violent rhetoric on the left that could be that could be tied to this guy's actions. The guy had a gun. On the left, we're trying to control guns. We're not sitting there saying, here, have a gun, everybody. We're trying to do a better job of getting guns out of hands that people are going to bring harm to other folks, right? So I think, that, I mean, to your point, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a significant difference. I also think to the other thing that you were saying, too, is, one, the guy was acting on his own. There's not a lot of rhetoric on the left. And he wasn't responding to a Pizzagate or a QAnon conspiracy theory, which seems to be uh, kind of in line with what this guy was responding to. So I, I agree. I think that those are some of the distinctions that we have that the other side doesn't have. And, and you said something I want to just nail the, uh, the hit the, the nail on the head here is the condemnation of it. Right. Biden has over and over spoken against the rioting, the looting that might break out on 1% of protests across the country, right? He's spoken against the Kavanaugh kind of violence, the situation. He, before uh, before Dobbs came out, he, he, I think he talked about, let's not go crazy, right? And so the Democrats will always condemn violence because that's what we believe in our heart. And here's the Republican Party, not only doesn't condemn it, they encourage it. And then when they don't get their way, they go um, and Donald Trump tweets, well, this is what you get. Like in the middle of January 6th, he says, this is what you get, right? We love you. It's it's, he never told him to go home until much later, right? So that's the difference. Um, I see no point the Republicans can make that they have the higher ground here. It's pretty clear that they're going after certain Democrats. Um, today, just today, Ronna McDaniel, I think her name is Rhonda or Ronna, whatever her name is, said, 
at a fundraiser that um, we're coming after you, Pelosi. This is the this is after the situation happened, right? So my worry is that if there is violence and somebody ends up getting killed, how do you not holding these people responsible now, right? And we're having a tough time linking the January 6th riot, riots insurrection to Republican officials. Are you going to be able to link a, a murder case or a homicide case to a Republican official? That's what this is leading to, John. I, I don't mean to speak hyperbolically. Um, they're clearly trying to kill Pelosi actively. And that I, I don't know how to I don't know how to fix that legally. You know what I mean? But, but you're right. And I think one of the things that um, I learned today, which I, I may have shared my hypothesis with you, but it was confirmed. I'm not sure if it was either on Chris Hayes or on Joy Reid, but they confirmed to me something. I didn't ask them. And remember, I, I even though I could maybe ask some internal questions, sometimes I don't go there just because I don't want to be too prying. But remember the footage that uh, was a Christina, which one of the Pelosi daughters uh, is a documentary, you know, the one that was with the speaker on on um, January 6th. And remember, I may have said- I'm not sure her name, yeah. It's either Christine or Alexandria. Those are her two daughters. But one of the things that I noticed when watching that footage was when leadership was all locked up together, both Republican and Democratic leadership, Ilhan Omar was in there. And I'm like, that's strange because there's no leaders. Is she, was she an extra protectee? And they confirmed it. They said today that in that footage, the reason why Ilhan Omar is in the room was because of the threats that were on her. And Ilhan Omar was at Alex Wagner's show tonight, and she was talking about the threats that come come her way. But that being said, um, I do think that the problem with that the, it's not a both sides issue, and I think that Democratic politicians, regardless of where we fall on the spectrum, whether we're moderate or to the far left, I think Democratic politicians try to be responsible. They know that you have it's it's on them not to say things and do things and give people the impression that that violence is bad. And now, you know, sometimes they'll get, uh, they'll bring up when Maxine Waters talked about get up in their face and everything else. But that's different. That's completely different than, than you know, what you talk about. When, when you do ads that are rhetoric, you know, that are violent rhetoric, and, you know, Yonkin got in trouble today. The governor of Virginia, Glenn Yonkin, basically said, we hope that Paul Pelosi is okay, but we need to send Nancy back to be with her husband. That was not the time for that line. But he delivered that line that it seemed like he was making light of it. And you talked about Ronald McDaniel. Uh, and this isn't in the violence space, but it's still in the compassion face. It's still in the cruelty face. Ronald McDaniel mocked both Biden and Fetterman for their speak, the head of a party. And, th you know, you've got a lot of people with disabilities. And there's just a lot of inappropriateness, a lot of cruelty that's out there. And as someone said, you see some of these Republicans who are going out saying this is, shouldn't happen. Even uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and said this shouldn't happen. I pray for Paul Pelosi. But Heifer, you know, the reality is, is that the stuff that comes out of her mouth uh, contributes to it. Uh, Meghan McCain tweeted uh, this great compassionate piece. We should all care. But if you know who Meghan McCain's husband is, it's a guy by Ben Dominici or whatever his name is, and he publishes The Federalist. The Federalist puts out a lot of that stuff that feeds the violence. So I have a really hard time hearing from folks who who peddle in a lot of stuff that's responsible for the violence. And of course, there'll be, there's, there's violence on the left and the right, and we cannot forget about that one guy who, that Bernie Sanders supporter, 
who shot up the Republican baseball practice. And it's true. But I think one of the things that's really important, and this goes back to um, all sorts of issues where we all know that if Matt Gates was a Democrat and had all these accusations, we wouldn't have waited for the uh, U.S. attorney to act. Matt Gates's ass would have been out of Congress already. And I have always said that we should not fault a party or, or make a party guilty by association for its bad actors. But what we should be doing is understanding that how the party reacts to the bad actors, right? Does the party condemn the bad actions? There's going to be, you and I both know, there might be a whack job Democrat who goes after a Republican. We don't know if the guy that went after Kavanaugh, what his party was, but let's just claim him for like the minute that they do wrong. We're like, dude, you're out of here and say, this is unacceptable. And we don't want your kind on our side. The, the other side doesn't do that. The other side does not do that. Yeah. I mean, I'll say two things and I'll pose a question to you, John. The first thing is the party, the party doesn't have bad actors. The Republican party doesn't have bad actors. The entire the entire party is bad, right? The leader of the Republican Party is the worst of all of them, and they all follow his lead. So I, I want to just push back on that a little bit. The second thing I want to say is, I said this after Uvalde, um, the, the base of the Republican Party is a party of violence, right? They have no platform. They have no plans. They have no uh, policies. All they know is violence, right? Um, guns and kick out uh, Mexican-Americans in this country. Um, if you don't like those black people sitting on your block, call the police. Uh, you see a transgender person go to the bathroom, call the police. Uh, you see somebody wearing a mask, go up to them, tell them why you're wearing a mask. Um, the Republican Party, all they really believe in is violence, right? They say they're the party of law and order, but they didn't support the police officers who um, saved their lives on January 6th. So they... This is all they know. This is all they know is to preach hate, fear mongering, and to get people to, to act on their violent impulses. So the question I have for you is, we know this. Me and you know this, and I think the majority of the country know this. I think elected officials on both sides know this. The question I have for you is, where the country is, and I know I, I won't throw away years and years of progress just based on whatever happens in the midterms, but let's say they take over the house and we keep the Senate, but it's just closer than we want it to be. Maybe Oz wins, maybe Herschel Walker wins. Does, do you think that's an indictment on the country? Do you think that's just um, how the system's built where they could, they could just sweep, sweep by in a couple of elections or what do you think that means for the country? If we're in this political space now and we still can't win elections. Well, I'll go back. It goes back to what I said earlier about body counts it goes back earlier to what I was saying about the whole issue of the the violation itself should be taken seriously regardless of the outcome. What I think is important, we need to win on the 8th. Uh, we need to be prepared that how do we proceed if we don't win. But more importantly, we need to also have an examination where we can look at George and look at Herschel Walker and see all the stuff he's done and how just incompetent he is. I mean, let's say abortions or no abortions. The man is just a piece. He's, a, he's, he's not there. 
But there's so much tribalism, and I hate that word, tribalism, but there's so much tribalism and so much um, my side, your side type of thing that we're not voting for who's good or who's bad anymore. We're voting for who wears the right jersey. That I think that regardless of the outcome, there's something wrong in this country. It's You could say, well, you know, the majority of Americans want this. Well, shouldn't we start saying, and unfortunately we're in a political space, but shouldn't we start saying there's something wrong where whether it's the majority of Americans or only 49% of Americans, we have a problem. You know, when you saw the, the thing that upset me about the whole Donald Trump thing, and my father brings it up all the time, is he doesn't fault Trump. He faults all the people who saw what type of low life the man was and said, that's the guy for me. And whether Trump wins or not, whether the Republicans win or not, and I do think that unfortunately there is a good guy, there's good guys and bad guys. There's no longer two good guys with differing opinions on policy. It's one side that's sitting there saying, we want the right to vote. It's another side that's saying, we're fine with people intimidating you from voting. And we're fine with people showing up at voters' boxes in Arizona with guns and trying to intimidate you. Regardless of who wins, we have a problem. Even if we win, even if we're successful, even if we overcome that, the fact that we have millions of people who are going to vote for that, we have millions of people who are not bothered by that, Millions of people who said uh, they did that. I'm maybe not big fans, but I'm still going to vote for their party anyway. We have major problems in that regard. We really, really do. Okay, so a, a follow-up then. Do you think the problem is we have people that will vote for that? Or do you think the problem is we have a lot of people who don't support it, who just won't vote for our side anyway? They're just not going to show up to vote. They might not support what the Republicans are doing, and they hate it. And they agree with Democrats, but they're just not showing up to vote. What, what would you say is the bigger problem? The no-shows or the people who are hell-bent on making sure that Republicans win elections? Both. But I have a question for you. There's unbelievable turnout in Georgia right now. If Herschel Walker beats Raphael Warnock, I want you to tell me, and I want all the pundits to tell me what the Democrats could have done differently. Raphael Warnock is eminently qualified. They're bringing in all the guns. They're putting in all the money. And you realize that we talked about this last week. If the Democrats lose uh, overall, you know, what will be the postmortem? But need, you need to tell me what is the one thing that Raphael Warnock could have done when you have basically a, a brain-dead ex-football player who is an embarrassment to humankind, who can't even put together a sentence, beats Raphael Warnock when Raphael Warnock is a very accomplished minister. He's had a, a fantastic uh, two years in the Senate. They've gone ahead. They've turned out the vote. They've spent lots of money. They did all the things. Tell me what the Democrats did wrong. And you realize that on Wednesday morning, the day after the election, if, 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 if Walker wins that race, there's going to be like, well, Democrats just don't have the pulse of the American people. Is that, did, did, did the Democrats, did the Senate Democrats do anything wrong in Georgia? Or do, and then when you look at, look at Arizona, the, the kooks running in Arizona. 
and the Democrats are running smart and good campaigns. And you're going to convince me that the Democrats did something wrong. Or maybe we need to realize that we have a huge problem in this country. And there's just a lot of people who don't understand, who don't have any kind of values and standards. And, and, and they, they love cruelty. Right. I mean, and that's that's the thing is we should not be sitting there if well, not even if the Democrats lose. We should not be sitting there saying, well, even though the Democrats won, there's a significant amount of people who, 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 you know, Republicans did a great job. Republicans aren't doing a great job. They just have a significant amount of, amount of we have a significant amount of people in this country who are really just screwy in the head. As I said, it would be different if you had two good guys, one that wants to tax the rich, one that doesn't want to tax the rich. We have two good guys, one that believes in a woman's right to choose and one that doesn't. That's the debate of ideas, but we're not having that debate. We actually have eminently bad whack jobs who are who are holding their own. And you're going to try to convince me that the Democrats are doing something wrong. If Herschel Walker beats Raphael Warnack, is there any... We've been watching this race. What has Raphael Warnack done wrong? You, you bring up a fascinating question. And the reason I say it's fascinating is because there... There is not a single thing he did wrong, and he's up against the worst possible candidate in the history of the world. If he was against, um, I forgot who the senator he beat was, um, the white guy. I forgot his name. But um, if he was against, well, he him, ran against Loeffler. I think I think it was him against Loeffler. I think I think I think it was Ossoff who had Purdue, and right. I think it was Warnick who had Loeffler. So let's say it was Purdue or Loeffler or whoever, just a reasonable insert copy paste Republican. I could see why. Warnock would lose. He just that those people are are appealing to those crowds. Herschel Walker is. I don't see how he's appealing to anybody. And so you ask a fascinating question. And so as you were talking, I was thinking of the answer. And here's what I I'll bring in a sports analogy to answer this question. When the Golden State Warriors were built, they were they were trying to blaze a new path in the NBA with the three-point shooting, right? And you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers with arguably one of the greatest players of all time on LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie. They stacked the whole team just to run into a wall in the Golden State Warriors. And then now, if you look at all the teams after the Warriors, they're building the team in model of the Warriors because that's what you have to beat. And so to answer your question, I wonder if we have to start doing what Republicans do in the sense that go after the state legislators, go after the governorships in these states to start passing laws to help us win elections, right? Um, the, the, the voter bill in Congress hasn't passed, and I don't know if that's the thing that's going to happen, right? Um, but I wonder if Abrams was governor of Georgia and she won that in 2018, does, does some voter rights law get passed in Georgia to help Democrats vote easier, right? Or just to help people in general vote easier. Um, if I don't, you know what I'm saying? So I guess my question, my answer would be maybe instead of big picture, we, we get rid of the big picture and we just start focusing on local races to help pass laws and bills to, to make sure people can vote. And then the easier it is to vote, we, we feel like we have the numbers there. Right now, if you look at the Republican strategy, it's pretty simple. Um, they're, they don't have policies, right? Their basic strategy on the local level is just to get Democrats not to vote. They know their crowd is showing up. 
And their goal is if they siphon off 10, 15, 25,000 votes in a state, they might win an election. And so if they're winning that way, then we should copy and paste that. And maybe we should figure out how to just to get 10, 15, 25,000 people just to vote more consistently. And then maybe that's the answer. I'm not an expert, though. I'm, I'm just a guy in Chicago. Right. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I see, I have to lurk to see um, how, how, you know, how turnout is. But despite the barriers, people in, in, in uh, Georgia seem to be voting. So I think if we can find that, uh, you have a point if we find that if Warnick were to lose, he lost because of some type of voter suppression. But I'm fearful that there's a bunch of people out there, a significant amount of people who are motivated and activated strictly by hate, strictly by, for, for all the wrong reasons. So you have a point and we do have to deal with the whole issue of voter suppression, but we also need to find out if in this particular race, one, let's be optimistic. Let's hope we pull it out. Let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. But we need to see what role voter suppression is going to play. I'm fearful that um, even with or without voter suppression, that there's just a, an outrageously large amount of these people in this country who don't have any appreciation for our, or respect for our values, for, you know, the things that I'm older and I used to sit through and you the fact that Bill Clinton smoked weed but didn't inhale, the fact that Barack inhaled it but went to a church with a preacher who practiced black liberation theology. And that was a, you know, at the end of the day, it literally seems, at least on the right, we will throw everything at the Democrats to justify, oh, you can't support this candidate, that candidate's bad, where's their character, where's their value, where are their morals? But then when they put up flawed candidates, that just goes all out the window. That goes all out the window. Look, if Herschel Walker was a Democrat, they would have run him off the stage. Not for actually supporting his partners for having abortions, but for actually, in the case of the story that just came out, for forcing a woman to have an abortion. Remember, Democrats, we believe in the right to choose. That means that we don't want you to be denied an abortion if you want one, but that also means we don't want you to be forced to have an abortion as if you don't want one. And so when it comes to values, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm at a loss. I'm at an absolute loss. I, I think you're onto something. Here's what I'll say about it. You talk about voter suppression, and, and we talk about this on Twitter all the time, John. There's different forms of it, right? It, there might be laws, the voter ID laws, all that stuff that's tangible reasons why people are being, the vote is being suppressed. But there's also like Charlemagne God and, and Ice Cube and Kanye West who are walking around saying Democrats don't do anything for you, right? And so that that is a f form of voter suppression as well. And I also wonder if, John, my generation I can speak to is very cynical. And they don't see a difference between Democrats and Republicans. And if you just show them, hey, look at the differences, they'll still say, well, Democrats are still corporate greedy uh, war hawks and Republicans are not any better. Right. And so there's there's reason to hate both sides is a lot of the cynicism that I see amongst my age group. And I don't know how to fix that part of it. Right. Because I could tell people, hey, you're right to 
shoes is on the ballot, but I live in a place that, that that's probably going to be protected uh, in a blue state, right? So I don't know how you get people to be passionate about something that doesn't necessarily directly affect them um, to vote. I, I don't know how that works, you know? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's a situation, but, you know, we start out talking about, you know, Pelosi and the rhetoric and I just, I don't know. I'm less concerned about the outcome on Tuesday, the 8th, a week from tomorrow. Uh, And I'm more concerned about, regardless of what happens, how do we just correct this ship? How do we right this ship? How do we elevate, you know? And that brings me to the next point of discussion, which is Elon Musk is in charge of Twitter now. And, I be, and the reason why I think that's a good segue is um, one of the things that Twitter had been trying to do was to have some form of standards. Now, what's funny, I'm not sure if you heard the, the news. Um, first of all, for those of you who don't know, Elon Musk is now in charge of Twitter again. I'm not going anywhere initially. Um, I'm going to be watching and monitoring it. And um, Elon Musk came out already. You know, He started firing folks. And it was really funny. Because as someone was saying, uh, I can't pronounce the, the name of the guy who was the CEO after Jack left. But, you know, he was the one who said, okay, you made a deal and, um, and, and, <laughs> and forced, you know, Elon talked all that mess and they sued Elon and were going to force him to do it. And the guy turned around and, um, <laughs> or Elon bought the company, turned around and fired the dude, which I'm sure he knew was coming. But he got fired and got a forty million dollars severance, right? So tell tell me who won in that deal? Yeah, uh, this dude no longer has to deal with the hellfire that is Twitter, but he's forty million dollars richer, and uh, and and Jack Dorsey started a new company already, uh, and I'm sure Jack Dorsey made some money off of that deal too, because I'm sure he held, held a lot of Twitter stock. So Jack Dorsey even made a deal. But I, that all being said, Elon Musk came out today already and said that before they decide to start reinstating people. They're going to go ahead and uh, create this panel or, or committee within Twitter, which will evaluate uh, bannings. And someone was saying that he talked all this mess about reinstating folks, but realizing that he needs advertisers and the advertisers have already told him, you know, we're not going to be on this website if, 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 it's a hell, if it's a shit show. And knowing that there's going to probably be a significant amount of uh, people who abandon Twitter, if it does become a shit show, I think Elon Musk is the dog that caught the car. Um, I, 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 I'm not happy with him having it, but it's a lot easier to talk trash about a thing until you're in charge of it and you're responsible for it and you have investors. It'd be different if he, maybe he covered this whole thing out of his own pocket, but there's a lot of people who are looking for return investment. There might be some people who are buying into his, oh, let's take it over, we're going to, you know, Screw them, we're not caring about making money. But there's a lot of other people who are looking at some return of investment. And so already we're seeing that uh, there's a very good chance that um, it's not going to be the free-for-all that Elon has promised, partly because you have a lot of folks that they need money from, that they need advertisers. And if advertisers don't have people on the website, and you know they're not going to do it. So... What is your early take on now that Elon is in charge? Yeah, so here's what I'll say about the firings. 
I don't think this is a big deal. I mean, he's the boss and he has the right to, to kind of have the Twitter space look like how he wants it to look like. Right. So I think that was coming. I think that was part of the agreement and say, hey, I'm going to get rid of these people anyways. And I bet you all, I bet you none of them wanted to be around anyways. I bet you they yeah, were all like, we're not sticking yeah, around. Their, their, their locker was empty for sure. Um, as far as Elon, I'm going to push back on that. A lot of people are saying, you know, he has money and in, in, he has investors and he just can't tank Twitter the way that we think he's going to do it. But John, it doesn't take a lot, right? It's I don't think he's going to just blow it up, but it doesn't take a lot to tank Twitter, right? Add maybe have a little bit more loosey-goosey rules with language. We've already seen white supremacist and the N-word and all these words being um, tossed around more freely now. Um, I, I full wholeheartedly believe Trump's coming back. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to make it a, a, a freak show, right? And the reason I, I say that that's where it's going is because I question Elon's motivation. Just like Trump ran in 2016 because Trump made or Barack made fun of him, I wholeheartedly believe he wants to buy Twitter, not to fix it, not to save it, is because people made fun of him and he wants to show everybody, right? That's what I truly believe his motivation is. I don't particularly think he cares about money at all. And so a lot of people saying he can't take his investment. Those are the people who are underestimating his, his lack of morals and character. And that's what I believe in. The last part I want to say is, Look at his other companies. Um, SpaceX would have been a colossal failure if not for the U.S. government. Tesla would have been a failure. He didn't start Tesla. It was a, something that he bought into, forced the owner. It was a whole coup that he attempted within Tesla to take it over. The U.S. government bailed him out, with, and he was going to lose the company anyways, right? So lawsuits, right? There's the, the, the employees, the black employees of Tesla who are suing for mistreatment. The sexual assault, uh, I don't know if it's sexual assault, but sexual misconduct lawsuits. Tesla's a mess. So how can I look at his history and think Twitter is going to be anything different but that? And that's kind of my uh, read on things. Yeah, um, I, I think you're in a situation where you have a point, but I don't think he's, considering he had, he needs investors, I don't think he can just tank it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he can tank it. And, you know, he, I think it's evidenced by the acknowledgement that he's probably going to have to have some level of a committee that's going to oversee, um, that that's going to oversee the reinstatement tells me he might be like, Oh God, what did I get myself into? Um, I, I, I just really think that the man is in a particular bind and he put himself in that bind and we'll see and it's funny because um the other thing too is he paid what two or three times what the stock is valued i think to to take over twitter and if that's the case um he's already done something where maybe larry ellison the oracle guy who supports trump and maybe one other two other people might buy into his, you know, we're going to shock the world. We don't care. But uh, I, I, he's got to He's got to turn around and be successful. Twitter's never made money. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter has had revenue, but Twitter's never made more than it made more money than it's uh, put out. Um, 
And so I do think, you know, we, we saw what happened, right? Within the first hour or two of him taking over, there were more racial slurs on Twitter than, you know, ever just, you know, because. But you saw what GM said, right? GM is pausing their advertising right now. Uh, so when you actually have, when you, I don't care whether you're an elected official or getting a job, you've always wanted to become a professional football player or something. It's a lot easier to say what you would do before you actually have that job and realize the importance and responsibility that comes with anything. So, um, I don't know. I, I really think, you know, he, you know, obviously he gave Kanye back. Uh, his account, or what did he, or was that just what, you know, but we were never told that Kanye's suspension was permanent, right? Um, you know, no, Trump and some of the others. Long, yeah, long, right, yeah. right. So that might that might not be so much a function of, uh, that might be less of a function of uh, Elon Musk is in charge, more of a function of they had just sent him to the penalty box for a certain amount of time. But, uh, look, it's weird. I'm fascinated. I'm, I really like to know uh, what Dorsey's doing. Um, and there was this other, you know, there's a few people um, who have talked about it. I mean, you look at what Trump's done with True Social and then you've got Parler. I think what's fascinating, and this is probably where um, Twitter has lost its luster, even if Elon Musk never had it, is Twitter introduced... And I think it was called a microblog to begin, right? Wasn't that kind of the thing? It was considered microblogging when it first came out in 2006, 2007, whenever it came out. Um, and um, I think the problem that they may run into, that Twitter may run into, is they've introduced a new type of social media that's different from Facebook, that's different from Instagram, that's even different from Snapchat and different from TikTok. But it's very easy to replicate as is the, as you see with parlor and as you see with uh, true social. And when you look at Jack Dorsey, I wonder if Jack Dorsey's saying, I'm going to do what we did at Twitter because it seems like the concept itself is not proprietary, but I'm going to do it better. Cause I also wonder if as Twitter was growing and they were seeing what was working, what was not working Twitter had become so big that some of the tweaks were going to be impossible because of the system. So I wonder, you know, one, that's the problem that Twitter has is that it seems like it'd be very easy to create alternative platforms with a very similar format. I don't know why no one's ever really tried that with Facebook, right? Facebook, would you say Facebook was maybe an alternative to MySpace when it came out? Was, 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 it a, was it a comparable alternative or was it something completely different? I forget in the heyday, but it, I think that it might have been, you know, but I don't think Facebook has any, for the, the social media platform and the social media space that Facebook occupies, I don't think it's vulnerable unless people just want a completely different experience, i.e. Instagram. I.e. And that's why Facebook is continually buying other platforms. But I do think that Twitter, especially with Elon taking over and the founders staying in the game but going somewhere else, I think, I think that Twitter could very easily uh, suffer 
from a mass migration. As you saw, as I said earlier, Parler has not been able to do it. Truth Social has not been able to do it. But at least there's nothing that's precluded them. I wonder, what do you think? Will Jack Dorsey be able to put together something that rivals Twitter and might be a viable alternative to Twitter? Yeah, just to answer a few quick ones. I think Facebook was the elevated grown-up version of MySpace uh, without the bells and whistles. So it was the alternative product. Um, And I do think Jack is going to look at opportunities to fix some of the mistakes he probably make early on in Twitter before he realized there were mistakes. Just to go back to Elon really quick, the only salvage I have, John, is this. The only reason he owns Twitter now is because of lawsuits. Um, Twitter sued him. There was some uh, discovery happening, and he didn't want any of that stuff coming out. And the only reason he really bought Twitter was to avoid lawsuits. So I say that to say, let's say you bring back Kanye, you bring back Trump, you bring back a lot of these right-wingers, another event happens, and you get sued. Instead of Trump getting sued or whatever, your platform gets sued. Um, and then maybe I wonder if Elon decides to keep you clean in that sense. So maybe there, that's my only kind of salvage to, I think, Elon and Twitter. To answer your Jack question, by the way, I think Elon's goal with Twitter is um, not to get super geeky, but the way that TikTok works is the algorithm is catered to you. Twitter, the way Twitter works is you follow a bunch of people. Those people that you specifically follow are on your timeline. TikTok doesn't work that way. TikTok works with curated content based on what you like. So my timeline is full of like sports stuff and Chicago stuff and a couple girls here and there, right? Stuff like that. There's a whole different side of TikTok on the MAGA side of TikTok that's super popular that is not on my timeline because I choose not to, to go down that rabbit hole, right? From what I understand Elon wants to do, and I read an article was – yeah, he wants to have right-wing voices and left-wing voices, but it's up to the people to decide what they're looking at. So there might be a whole Trump faction, but it might not necessarily be in our timeline based, based on the algorithm. I think that's his goal. I don't know if he'll get there or not, right? We'll see. To answer your question, that's what I think Jack's going after, right? I read in the article you sent me about Blue Sky. Never heard about it. I read up on it. From what I understand... I think Jack wants to be the Netflix of social media. I think he's going to try to curate everyone's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter into one app and have a multimedia kind of where you could go to this app to check all your other social media apps. And if that's what I'm understanding he's trying to do, I can see that as being successful depending on how he does it. But I, I think that could be a Twitter competition as well if you could curate your timeline on Blue Sky as opposed to Twitter. I don't actually know, John. The only thing I know is um, wherever Black Twitter's going, that's where I'm going. They're the culture center, so I'll follow as they go. Well, you know, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, though, that we brought up a minute ago, is let's talk about our boy Kanye. You know, he's Chicago's own. Uh, But he recently had a billboard in Chicago, or at least a mural of him painted over. they, I'll never forget. I, I'll never forget. My still favorite Chicago street mural was the shrine to Derrick Rose when he hurt his knee. I will, well, it was actually a shrine to Derrick Rose's knees. That was the most. That was one of the most Chicago moments ever. Uh, on, on the underpass, people were, were were leaving candles and leaving crutches. But that being said, let's get back to Kanye. Um, 
people thought that Adidas was late to act and get and to dump him. And I was one of those people. But I realized something. Do you think that Adidas's silence was legal from the standpoint of this is a big partnership. There's a lot going on. And if we're going to get rid of them, we have to get rid of them the right way. I think a lot of other people had easier times cutting ties. I'm just saying, I wonder if, 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 um, I wonder if Adidas had to tread a lot more carefully, especially because don't forget at one point when he was on the drink heroes or drink champs, whatever it's called, he said, and, and Adidas can't get rid of me. Do you think that Adidas was slow to act or do you think Adidas was dotting I's and crossing T's and doing it the right way so that they don't didn't have any legal exposure? John, I don't think there's a such thing as slow to act because everyone's built differently. Um, what I mean is I used to work at a company that when we would air something on TV, all our disclaimers had to run through legal. And this company is certainly not on the level that Adidas is. Adidas isn't even really on the level that even bigger companies are at, right? So sometimes I would send a video to legal. It would be 30 seconds and it would take a couple of days just for them to look at the disclaimers, fact check things, talk to outside legal counsel, right? What I thought Adidas was doing was dotting T's and crossing I's or whatever, right? They were looking at their relationship, talking to legal, talking to outside legal, seeing where they were vulnerable at and seeing how they could act. Um, I was not um, thinking that they were just buying time. I fully wholeheartedly believe they were just looking for their loophole. Uh, same thing with other companies, right? Kanye is a big entity. Contracts that are signed with people like this are hundreds of pages of long, hundreds of pages long. So I'm not surprised that they were just in the I's and crossing and C's. Um, so yeah, I think the overreaction to that is just an overreaction. Uh, I think everyone was coming and just a matter of how big or how fast it's easy. Drink champs put up a video. It's easy just to take it down. You don't have to ask nobody permission because it's just your YouTube channel. Right. But when you're talking about ending a billion dollar deal with, with multiple entities and companies involved, it's just going to take some time. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I, I'm thinking about, and I'm going to go back to two other. Uh, famously canceled people, uh, R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. I have no problem with removing them from areas of prominence. I have no problem with people no longer celebrating them, although I will tell you, I will definitely sneak in R. Kelly, step in the name of love, bump and grind, all that stuff. I, I will, with headphones on when no one knows, I will be jamming to some of that. <laughs> I do not stand um, by that. <laughs> Uh, but what I'm saying is there's people who want his music off of all of the streams and with art. And I know that because of intellectual property, people will make money off of their work long after they've made it. And it's still a revenue stream and you want to punish them. But you, you're an artist you know what art means to you as a consumer, not only as the artist, but as a consumer. And whether it's my favorite episode of Cosby show, whether it's my favorite R. Kelly song, whether it's my favorite Kanye song, I don't necessarily know if taking them down off of those platforms is 
appropriate, not because of the damage it would do to the artist, but those songs meant something. Maybe they played at your wedding. You know, uh, somebody, you know, may have just lost their parent and their favorite episode of the Cosby show was the Gordon Cottrell episode. Um, I am, you know, I'm not going to buy into the right and all their, all their attitude about cancel culture, but I'm wondering when uh, an artist has done wrong, but that artist also has such a long body of work that has meant a lot to people. Shouldn't the people who still enjoy that song or that episode or that film, shouldn't they still be able to access it? So, yeah, it's an interesting question. And just to be clear, Cosby and Kelly were doing illegal things, right? And so there's a difference here in the Kanye situation. I'm not defending Kanye. I'm just saying, like, I don't think he belongs in jail, right? Um, like Cosby and, and R. Kelly do, obviously, right? Your cancel culture point is interesting because I no longer can watch the Cosby show and, and the R. Kelly songs. That's just me personally. I, I can't force anybody to stop watching, right? I haven't been able to listen to a Kanye West song since he put on the MAGA hat, right? That's just me personally. So here's what I'll say to that is if you want to cancel Kanye for his words, then that that's how you do it is you cancel it. Right. If you don't want to listen to him on Spotify or Apple, you don't have to. If you don't want to watch Dave Chappelle anymore, you certainly don't have to click on the Netflix specials anymore. Right. That's how you uh, counteract his freedom of speech with your freedom of speech, which is, all right, if you want to go say these things, you have the right to do that. And I have the right not to listen to your music. Um, and Spotify has the right to say, hey, we don't really like Kanye West was thrown out of the Skechers. Right. Skechers is, I believe, a uh, Jewish people run Skechers and they were just like, nope, zero tolerance. You're going to get out of our building. That's how they decided to act uh, based on what they wanted. So Spotify has all the right to kick Kanye off. And that's how I see it is if Kanye has freedom of speech and Dave Chappelle has freedom of speech, we as a consumer has freedom of speech not to listen to their music or their content no longer. Do I think that Kanye should delete all his music from all his websites? I don't. But at the same time, I could choose not to listen to him and, and I can leave the decision up, up to everybody else. Just like the ballot box, John, if we don't want Herschel Walker to win, the only way to do that is to show up. So if millions and millions of people just stop listening to Kanye West music, that's going to be canceling him by himself. You don't have to have a coordinated effort to get him off Spotify. You just have to do your part, which is show up and vote. And uh, metaphorically speaking, just stop listening to his music. And it's the same thing to me. You know what's funny? I'm going I'm to be an old fogey. That's the problem with our current technology is back in the day when we weren't doing streams and Netflix, you owned the DVD or you owned the CD and you paid your money once and you and every time you listen to that song or watch that video, it, it, you, you got your money up front. They got their money up front and you weren't paying every time that you consumed it, right? And I wasn't reliant on a streaming service to to provide me with the music so you know it was funny because realistically in the old days you could cancel someone and still listen to them because you'd own the cd or you'd own the dvd so uh because here's the thing um i'm very mindful because i think here's 
where, where I land on this is I definitely think that whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Netflix, I don't necessarily know if I need those people removed from those platforms, but what I would like to see is them not being prominent. Meaning if I'm on YouTube and I want to watch an R. Kelly video, I want to be able to find it. But what I don't necessarily need is an algorithm that will put R. Kelly on my, you know, you listen to the song, so all of a sudden it pops up. I think that the response, that's my attitude is, now granted, in, in that space though, because of the way that monetization works, um, R. Kelly is still going to go ahead and get money, or, you know, especially if you're listening to like a, you know, a, 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 a what's it, the um, Vivo or Vevo or you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 um, YouTube platform is, but I don't know. I just think that artists, they deserve to be punished. And, you know, funny, like from here, I can't stand Kanye. I've not been a big Kanye fan for, for maybe as long as you've not been. Um, probably since I, I had that encounter with him when I was about to join the Kanye West Foundation Board of Directors. Uh, but I almost feel like his music should still be available to his fans. I think all the ancillary stuff is Hogwarts. You know what I mean? Uh, the Whether it's the Yeezys, whether it's the fashion contracts, that's all the stuff I could do without, cancel all that. Um, but I still think that if, and, and think about it, where he's really, because he's still going to take a hit. Even if, even if his streams were still available, the fact that, think about how much of his music was in commercials, how much of his samples were, were in stuff. And, you know, you would hear him coming in and out of a basketball game. You would see commercials with it. You know, there were like three or four Kanye songs. I didn't know were Kanye songs. I just heard a beat of rhythm. And I'd be like, wait a minute, that's a Kanye song, but I know they were getting paid. If you took all that away and he only had to rely on the streams, streams don't pay a lot of money. I don't think that's a, a bad compromise, right? Because he's not going to be getting the rights for when his song plays in a commercial because that's going to definitely go away. But if he's still going to get his half a cent for me listening to it on Apple Music, I don't really have a problem with that. Especially because, yeah. and from a business standpoint, that man is used to X amount. He's never going to see, even if his music, because of all the stuff that's going to get canceled and the ability that when he makes new music, no one would buy it, that man will take a big loss. He already, you know, I think that one of his first posts on Instagram after he got back was he lost $2 billion or some type of, you know, he was complaining about how much money he lost in a day. So even if he was just limited to streams, it would it would be a big blow for him. Yeah, and that's it. That's that's an interesting point. There is he has a right to put out his music. He he doesn't really have a right to get paid for it, right? And what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about bootlegging. I'm talking about if all you care about is the art then you could put your music on the website and people who want to go to KanyeWest.com could go there. But you don't necessarily have to go to Apple Music and pay a dollar for the single, right? So that's where it's really going to get hurt is the pocketbooks. I think his streamings are down 23% ever since it happened. That's not a lot of money, but it's certainly a big chunk of, of, of money that's going away from him. He'll lose a lot of sponsorships. He lost that Adidas deal, TJ Maxx. Hey, when TJ Maxx is out on you, then you've got bigger problems, right? So, yeah, I mean, like I said, everyone's individual choice to stream or not stream is their right to protest or not protest. I personally won't stream it, past or present or what have you, and that's my choice, and everyone has to kind of make that kind of moral decision on their own.
Have I ever shared the book I want to write to you about politics called They Still Step in the Name of Love? Have I ever told you that story? <laughs> um, as you know, I work in the political space. And you do realize that most of America, regardless black, white, Latino, Asian, most of America is not as woke or as informed or as aware as you are in the social media space. And you do not know how many times, I'm talking post-cancellation, I'll be in an event, a political event on the south side of Chicago. And it's usually on a Friday, Saturday night, and there's a DJ and everything else. And that DJ will throw on Step in the Name of Love like, like ain't nothing. And ain't one person walking up to the DJ saying, how dare you? Everybody is stepping in the name of love. And I think the reason why I've said I want to write a book called Then They Still Step in the Name of Love is because, and this is probably, you know, it does tie back to politics. I think that there is so much awareness, and I don't want to call it self-righteousness, but I think sometimes it borders on self-righteousness. If you work a certain job and you want to have the family and and you're taking care of the family, you you know, you have, you get a night out, you know, you're not on Twitter, you're not on Facebook, uh, hearing all these stories and you don't really, you know, you know, R. Kelly's in prison and good, the brother's in prison and he's doing his time, but you know what? This is my jam. I got my drink in my hand. I have some Hennessy. I'm going to step in the name of love. I wonder if one of the, and don't forget, who are the people who are really truly canceling R. Kelly? It's people on the left, not people on the right. Um, mm -hmm. I truly want, sometimes wonder if there is not a disconnect, that we're so busy with some of these academic, high-minded things, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what we forget is, as we're sitting here crafting our messages about this issue or that issue, um, they still step in the name of love. These people, all they, and it goes back to what we always talk about when it comes to kitchen table pocketbook issues. They work hard. They want to make sure their kids are safe and safe from R. Kelly. But uh, they want to make sure their kids are safe. They want to make sure their bills are paid. But it's Friday night, damn it. And this is my jam. And I'm going to body roll to bump and grind. Um, I, I just wonder if sometimes in this political activist space, if we have expectations and judgments that don't necessarily translate to the people that's whose who support we need, not just for votes, but to support the issues that we care about, to raise awareness about certain things. I'm just wondering if that really, and I think it's something that hampers the left more than it does the right. What, what is your take on that? Well, because we have a moral compass. <laughs> um and I don't know how many people on the right were stepping in the name. No, but, but but I have a no, but no, but I have a question though. Is it really truly a moral compass? Because someone's saying, "Is my morality going to be based upon?" We're basing your morality because you're listening to a song by a horrible person. You know, don't forget, everybody loves them some Marvin Gaye. Do you know that Marvin Gaye was just as bad as R. Kelly? Marvin Gaye married a fourteen-year-old. Jerry Lee Lewis died today. Jerry Lou Lewis was a pedophile. And and so I'm not excusing R. Kelly, but by the standards that we hold R. Kelly to, there's a lot of other people that are okay because they didn't go through their stuff in the in, in the twenty in the internet age or what have you. And so I'm not defending R. Kelly. 
I'm, I think I'm speaking more to the people who still step in the name of love. And I don't know if I'm really making a moral judgment by not stepping in the name of love because I guarantee you that they're being older and knowing histories. Look up some of the things that uh, Marvin Gaye did. And when you look up the things that Marvin Gaye did, might you think twice about dancing to some of the Marvin Gaye stuff? Might you know? Might that's what I'm trying to say is when we. That's why I'm wondering if there's not a disconnect. I don't think it has to do with morality. I think it has to do with look. I'm not, I don't support that stuff, but this is my jam, and I think that's not necessarily an immoral thing. I don't think it's immoral, is what I'm saying for someone to still have that be their jam, even after someone has done some shit, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but John, what I mean a moral compass is the fact that you're asking the question means that your compass is giving you something to feel about, right? You still might end up making the decision to, all right, I don't mess with R. Kelly, but I can listen to his music. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, but the internal conflict that we have is our moral compass, right? The fact that we're conscious enough to say, Man, I don't really rock with Dave Chappelle no more, but his older specials are great, right? So that's, I think, the disconnect there. John, I, I know a lot of people who I had this conversation with who will say, I personally can separate the art from the artist, right? It's not just Kanye. It's not just singers, right? The movies, uh, Mel Gibson or Will Smith nowadays, right? There's a lot of – so it just depends on what you feel like your morals and your principles are or what the person did or didn't do. Um, I don't think it makes us bad people if we listen to R. Kelly. I think it makes us good people the fact that we question whether we should or we shouldn't. Uh, the thing about morality, John, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not a Plato or Aristotle or whatever, but I think it's all gray, right? There's, it's not, it's not black and white. It's all gray area, and uh, even with politicians, John, like Barack Obama was considered a war hawk, right? There's, there's things that people do that you have to question. That I think that's what separates us from the other side. Is no matter what Trump does, they're loyal, right? And we just have that internal conflict. And I think that's what the, the moral comp, that's what I was trying to say about the moral compass. Right. But and I guess I, and I guess I appreciate what you're saying there, but I think the one thing, you know, that, and I'm talking about the ability to connect to folks, right. The ability to be able to connect to, to average day people yeah. is, and we're going back talking about Herschel Walker and all that other stuff is, is one of those disconnects. The fact that, we're just as it's just as important to certain elements of the progressive left that you don't step in the name of love. It's not enough that you pay for your you, you're paying your bills, you're doing your work, you know, but damn it, you're doing all the things right. But on a Friday night, you're drinking your Hennessy and stepping in the name of love. I'm going to judge you. That is, I think, something that maybe we on the left have to be a little bit less virulent about. Right. It's it, it, I think that's where I'm going with it is you do everything right but you still step on a love on a, on a friday night that is i think we've got to get away from that i think that that is a unnecessary thing it's great if someone personally says i'm no longer going to do this this is great but when i'm on the south side i'm not in a room full of people uh, stepping in the name of love and judging them I'm like, nah, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying is I can be in a room where it comes on and I'm not judging the DJ. I'm not touching the people. I'm just saying, you know what? Despite everything else, 
they're kicking back, drinking their Hennessy, and they're stepping in the name of love. And I can judge it, or I can maybe understand it and understand how the fact that that happens, it kind of tries to inform me as I try to understand how to connect and relate just to average people. It's not a bad point. I've never um, never looked at it that way. It's certainly a, a moment to not judge people and connect with people. I also think those far left progressives, the blue checks who are just so adamant, like the we had that conversation about Latinx and the term. And a lot of Latino people are like, I don't do that. Don't do that to me. You know what I mean? Um, it's all, But that's the thing about the Democrats on our side is, and I don't mean to make it political, but we we're not monolithic in that way we're a big tent party we have different opinions and we're all trying to do the right thing but we feel the right thing um yeah i don't know i don't know i don't, I don't know if you're asking asking a question or anything but i, I completely see your point yeah it, it's and it's because i just think that sometimes that provost you know um and, and you i'm glad you brought up the whole latin next thing is i just think that sometimes someone's used a phrase um, we've, we as Democrats have to stop using faculty language, fa- faculty lounge language, right? And I think that um, judging those who step into love, you know, we always, always talk about meeting the voters where they are, but then we also judge people who step in the name of love, and is that really meeting voters where they are? Does, it, does that make sense? No, I completely agree. I completely agree. But I know we're running long. So on that note, uh, this is John signing off for now. This is John, this is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys.